everyone. Welcome to the happiest pod on earth. I'm Ariel. And I'm Steph. And we're Disney fans, but we're really so much more than that. Ariel here is a licensed therapist who uses clients' passions and fandoms to help them grow and heal from trauma and mental unwellness. And the lovely Steph is an educator who uses passions and fandoms to help her students grow and learn about themselves and the world around them. And here at Happiest Pod, it's a place where we dissect Disney mediums with a critical lens. Why do we do that? Because just like we are more than just fans, we expect more from the mediums we consume. And so today, what Disney media or experience are we dissecting and sharing on this episode? I think this is one that you are highly familiar with as an educator. Yep. (laughs) Yes, it totally is. And I'm really, really excited to talk about this. And we are talking today about recess, recess, not just recess. And I'm sure all of you are like listening to that theme song from recess in your head because I loved it so much Um, I wish we could have it here on the podcast but we probably (laughs) need to license that Um, and there's the gardener in my house (laughs) lo and behold gardener's not part of recess but we're going to be talking about recess the show and also recess as it plays into um, how it works in our kids lives um, lives of kids who we know if you don't have any and also the impact that it has in our lives growing up Absolutely. So recently, um, I got to respond to some research uh, in an article that talked about uh, the importance of recess um, for um, students and their mental wellness. And some of the things that they identified was that recess offers an opportunity to support just the healthy development of children um, so that they can come well whole humans and entire um, experience of themselves and that uh, the biggest factor was quality recess Mm -hmm. Um, factors such as a safe play environment sufficient play equipment um, and even supportive adult engagement uh, along with student autonomy and minimal disruptive conflict Uh, would you agree with some of these findings Absolutely. I think recess as it has evolved over time. I know that us uh, playing recess in the early 90s looked a lot different than how recess is conducted today while I'm working at a school. Um, But I remember recess being the time that you are your whole self. In the classroom, you're in front of an adult. There is expectations, um, academic expectations, uh, mannerisms that you kind of get used to as you're going into school. But when you're on the yard, you are really who you are outside um, just without your family. And this is where interactions with your peers, interactions with different ages of kids, interactions with other adults who aren't your teacher, those connections and those um, opportunities only happen on the recess play yard. And that's why I think, A, I love the show Recess because it was such a fun um, way to describe that, obviously in a way more fantastical setting. Um, I did not have a King Bob at my recess yard, (laughs) but the sixth graders were hecka scared like I did not want to interact with them at all but absolutely recess is so integral in you know a child's development socially Um, and I think this past year having not had recess really had an impact but I know we'll talk a little bit about that later Um, I know for my school in particular we do more of a structured recess where we have TAs leading different games only because we do have limited space on my campus but at the same time we realize that kids love structured play Um, recess doesn't have to be a free-for-all maybe in kindergarten as we saw that they're you know little (laughs) unruly (laughs) 
human beings in the beginning, not really knowing how to socialize yet. Um, but definitely, as you see in the older upper grades, third, fourth, and fifth grades, they're longing for that structure and they want to use those structure, structures to learn more about play and evolve the way they play. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, research that was published in the Journal of School Health um, titled Recess Quality and Social and Behavioral Health in Elementary School Students. Um, and the article that uh, featured my comments uh, was in uh, verywellmind.com. And the title of the article is Quality Recess Gives a Boost to Children's Mental Health. Study says, um, I'll be sure to link both in the show notes. I, I agreed with some of the findings in regards to, um, and, and again, I think this might be something that you can talk to um, because I believe this is maybe similar to your educational environment, but something new that when I came out here had not experienced. Um, in the show Recess, they have a fixed building um, mm -hmm. and uh, they have a fixed play yard. Uh, and there are a lot of schools here that um, the buildings are not fixed. They're not permanent fixtures. The yep. play, play yard is just asphalt. There aren't, there isn't yep. equipment, there isn't toys. Um, there's maybe just a chain link fence that separates them from just the, the, the street. And uh, it that disparity and access to just play um, is really disruptive to just the, the mental wellness of youth and causes um, disengagement from adults. The other finding that I definitely agreed with was when um, the anyone supervising the yard actually wanted to play with the youth um, and was very attentive versus, um, you know, now uh, maybe on their phone when they shouldn't be or um, talking to the other adults and not really paying attention, um, that that attentiveness created positive memories uh, for for youth in regards to engaging with adults that um, play is something important is a way that they communicate and that it was a, a thing that was encouraged. Absolutely. I think that there's two really important things that you touched upon. Um, the first part is that growing up here in the San Fernando Valley and also other parts in LA, you have really old schools and then you have schools within schools. That's um, something that's common here because we do have things like charter schools, private schools. Mm -hmm. And depending on which school you attend, sometimes they have a play apparatus, sometimes they don't. Sometimes because they're located on a school, there's an apparatus there, but they can't necessarily play with it. So you have to kind of be creative and depending on the resources of your school you can you know do structured play like i mentioned before at my school but other times i remember being probably in middle school where you don't really see like a play apparatus it was more so like you were participating participating in organized sport like soccer mm -hmm. or you know basketball and um otherwise you were just hanging out on the yard and that's where you see like you mentioned the yard ladies which yeah. is like um <laughs> <laughs> our favorite yard lady on recess being her grumpy self um and i remember that was so much more prevalent in public schools we always called them the lausd yard ladies they were always mm -hmm. frowning they were super upset at everything they mm -hmm. just wanted to you know share the gossip with their you know your their coworkers, and they weren't really paying attention and when you went to them ask them for help or something they were just like whatever figure it out on your own um and that was definitely something that i experienced in public school as opposed to now working for a charter school and also knowing other kids other friends of mine who went to private school those yard ladies actually played with them on the yard they were leading games they were um helping do arts and crafts on the side they had those materials and unfortunately that's just the reality of funding um mm -hmm. when it comes to mm -hmm. public private and charter schools in the united states across you know 
from coast to coast, but it really does affect the way that kids view play. And it's no surprise that by the time high school rolls around, they don't want to play outside anymore because they never really Absolutely. had those like positive opportunities when they were younger. And and you definitely talked about school funding, right? Um, and one of the, I think in the very first episode of the series, we see um, the swinger, um, mm-hmm. uh, not uh, not to be taken as, uh, as related <laughs> to Austin Powers, uh, the swinger is... Um, <laughs> Uh, a little girl dressed uh, very much like Amelia Earhart, Amelia Earhart on a yep. swing who is wanting to soar to new heights um, and getting essentially injured. And one of the characters says, uh, oh, we'll have to talk to her when she comes back to the school from the school nurse. And yep. I do know that a lot of American schools, maybe the school nurse shows up two days. Maybe yeah, there's not one at all. We don't have one at all. <laughs> and you know what? I, I was just watching that episode again. And now that I'm an educator, I haven't seen it since I was you know way younger. And I was like, Wow, we would just give them an ice pack. But who knows where she flew to? She could have flown in a bush. She could have flown on a bunch of kids. She could have flown flat face on the asphalt. We don't know that. But we could only give her an ice pack. And, you know, that goes into the limitations of what you can do as a staff member. Yeah. Um, that's a whole nother list of do's and don'ts what because we're not medical professionals. We study education, not, you yeah. know, um minor or at least, you know, a little bit more than first aid on the yard. But, you know, like, I think the nature of play is getting hurt. And it's just a part of it. Um, But unfortunately, because of funding, like we mentioned, um, kids experience that in different levels, Uh, could be in, in extremes also. I, I think the other thing um, in, in regarding to like um, funding in schools and, and disparity, uh, again, in that sort of first episode, we see a di- discussion um, in regards to, to American school cafeteria mm-hmm. food, which is not mm-hmm. good. And nope. a, a joke about the good food being hidden and locked up and essentially for the adults. Um, and sure, I can remember a couple of things that I enjoyed eating. Uh, but I, I mean, I've seen artwork of... Um, cafeteria food in schools around the the world oh, right and it makes it, you feel the, so the, sad to be an american <laughs> so sad in regards to the things that we we feed our students and um these are disparities that are still happening today right and so the yes. fact that there was kind of a nod to that in this show that was created in the 90s <laughs> in the 90s and you know what i think um so our at our school for a little insight we we don't serve the same LAUSD food, even though we're technically, you know, under the LAUSD umbrella. So we're not exactly serving like that coffee cake and, you know, those like weird calzones that taste like rubber and feel like rubber. However, because I was so scarred from those things, (laughs) the coffee cake was good, but the calzones, I don't know, uh, chalupas, I guess I I was trying to say. Um, But it took me all the way up until this year to actually say, you know what, I'm okay with eating a school lunch because there's extras I don't want it to waste and that's me thinking as an adult however it's not so bad but I think it's because we have like a private vendor that we go to and okay you know that was it's way different like it has vegetables it has you know like chicken nuggets that actually look like chicken um but I it took me you know how many decades to be okay with even like thinking about touching that food and consuming it just because we have you know, these images, especially perpetuated in media, like shows like Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide on on Nickelodeon Mm -hmm. and, you know, other school shows that it's just basically slop. And it's very reminiscent of the way prison cafeterias are. So many parallels there. And also, and mentioning uh, that first episode where 
um, essentially TJ is kind of shamed for wanting to go inside the good food refrigerator. That like platform that they're on totally looks like a jail type of platform. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leading there, up to there, like jail cells. Like this bars above yeah. in the cafeteria where um, yeah. the, the adults can essentially literally look down at the youth. Yep. Definitely looked institutionalized. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the school lunches, and I must say, yes, there is always a fridge in the school that has the better food. This <laughs> is true. But it's not they're urban brought, legend. But they're brought by teachers, so you probably couldn't eat it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and even sometimes the teachers don't want to put their food in there because they don't want it touching other teachers' food. And ah, I, yeah. yes, I've had somebody eat my lunch and not tell me. <gasps> Disrespect. I, super Disrespect. rude. Um, but I anyway. <laughs> So uh, some of the other findings um, was that uh, when uh, children had quality recess, um, and so again, they, they use the factors of safe play, adult mm-hmm. engagement, um, sufficient play equipment, uh, the, uh, student autonomy, and minimal disruptive conflict. When they had um, those criterias met, uh, the students always returned to, to class um, with uh, better ability to have executive functioning, um, better emotional self-control, and uh, adaptive classroom ability. Um, which uh, all of these things were impacted if they didn't have recess or if they did. And these things were, were vastly improved if, if they did have recess and it was quality recess. Um, Absolutely. And I think that when we go back to the show, we kind of see this, right? Yeah, definitely. I think the kids first and foremost long for recess. In the second part of that first episode, they change the clock so that the recess bell rings earlier um, than normal. <laughs> And it's a real thing because, you know what, wiggle breaks, just that outside, just getting up and moving, that is such an important thing to staying focused. I mean, even as adults, we need to get up at least once an hour if you're sitting at a desk just so that you can get your mind right, like take a break from the screen. Even if you're writing something, you just got to take like that Mm -hmm. mental break, get your body moving because your body isn't going to... You know, the blood isn't going to go to your brain if your blood isn't, you know, moving because you're not using your limbs, you know, and I we incorporate so many wiggle breaks in the younger um, in the younger grades for kids to get up and dance a little bit before they sit down and do some really tough math Um, all the way up until fifth grade. I mean, they're not called wiggle breaks anymore, but if we want (laughs) to go (laughs) just so that they don't feel like little kids, if we want to go outside and, you know, play a really quick game of, you know, Foursquare or something, we'll do that. Just mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. we know that if those kids get antsy in their seats, now you're all of a sudden trying to play whack a mole, like <laughs> as a teacher. You're trying to keep one kid down, and you're then you're trying to keep another kid down, and then you're trying to keep another kid down. But if we just have them all do that mental break, take a walk, it helps so so much, and you can essentially get more done out of the day and of the week, and the kids feel like they have a well-rounded experience, not just being locked inside a classroom. Yeah, yeah. So getting into the show, yep. Um, uh, it is a, a thirty-minute cartoon format. It's an animated series um, made in nineteen ninety-seven, I believe, and um, it's the format of two fifteen-minute segments. So you're actually watching two episodes in mm-hmm. one. Yep. Um, and if you go on Disney Plus, uh, there is actually more than just the original recess. Yes. <laughs> they um, have the spinoffs. Yeah, and, which I like, had no idea exist. Right. Yeah, those so were got- made. In like the early 2000s, I believe, right? 
So we've got recess, recess schools out, recess all grown down. So this is them as kindergartners and recess <laughs> taking the fifth grade. So that's them growing up into the fifth grade. Yeah. You know what? And recess to me was so like I loved it so much because it was very reminiscent of Rugrats, but they were just a different age. It was two 15-minute yeah. segments, easily digestible. They had a problem. They were going to rally their friends to solve it. They solved the problem. And then we go on to the next day in their lives or the next recess in their lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, as the show progressed, you see them getting older, but then they also toyed with what happens if they were younger. And in, in Rugrats, we would, you know, they had a whole nother spinoff of Rugrats all grown up where they were yeah. all grown up. And I yeah. love that show too. It was so successful. And I feel like Recess probably took a lot of cues from Rugrats because it was such yeah, a groundbreaking yeah. animated feature that, you know, we could grow with these kids and look into child development really in a different way um, mm. and see things through the eyes of a child. Because I yes, think also yes. watching these shows as adults, we then think about how did I see things as a child? And I think so mm -hmm. many of us resonate with that because we see these imageries and we see like the playground essentially is not a big place. But no. when you were in fourth, third grade, it seemed so huge and vast, like to the point where you had two kids digging on the side, trying to get yes. to China. Yes, <laughs> and yes. you know, these, these worlds within that playground. Yeah, that's what made the playground so big. And even in the show, the playground is a character itself. Yes. It has um, it accepted laws and was lived mm -hmm. through like a social hierarchy in regards to the, the youth that were engaging with it. Mm -hmm. And it had even its own moments of commentary. Yeah. Um, and and when it comes to the actual core group, core characters, um, and even with all the student, it was that anticipation for recess. I I, I remember like looking at the clock and counting it down for when this like I could just bolt out of here and go and just let myself loose on the playground. Um, and when I think of my like moments at recess, um, I I remember uh, that having that autonomy um, and I remember there being social rules and norms and um, that uh, really that my lived experience of socializing was on the playground. It wasn't oh, yeah. in the classroom. No, not at all, especially when you were confined to your own desk. Um, I mean, as you get into the upper grades, you don't share a desk really anymore with other students. I mean, definitely now you would not share a desk. No, definitely not <laughs> In the current COVID climate. But I mean, you didn't have circle time anymore. You didn't have rug time as, you know, an older student. So, I mean, all the interactions you had were outside. And then you learned who hung out with who, what type of kids mm -hmm. hung out in a certain place, what type of kids mm -hmm. hung out in the cafeteria, where did they yep. eat? Did they even get school lunch? Did they bring their lunch from home? All of those social hierarchies and, you know, social challenges that kids need to navigate around start at recess on the playground. So in talking about recess, um, I know that you and I both watched it again to, to get an idea. Um, and I feel like for just to remind ourselves, and I feel mm -hmm. like for this show, it's one of Disney's most well-rounded social commentaries. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I find that the the social dynamics that they sort of displayed on the playground and the the stereotypes, really, of different kids mm -hmm. um, 
I could think back in my mind to someone that was similar to that. So you oh, mentioned yeah. the diggers digging to China. <laughs> yeah. um, they had upside down girl. I, uh-huh. I remember plenty of uh, kids <laughs> that always hung upside down. They really yeah. liked that that kinetic feeling of like feeling the world being the other way. <laughs> right. Yeah. If we're thinking of even just like now with a black widow. Oh, look, oh yeah. We're both upside down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm thinking of. Uh, King Bob uh, mm-hmm. totally made sense. He was a, he was someone of he an was older a jock. grade. He was a jock. Uh, <laughs> there was um, the Ashleys. Uh, oh they, my gosh! They were Valley girls. Which you're from the Valley. Does anybody talk that way? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because I feel like once the media started perpetuating how we. Her, how they talked I guess how I t- I don't even know if I talk like this I was hyper aware of how many times I say like in a sentence at one point <laughs> in my life um but like that I there's a word for it um it's like that throaty like way of like elongating your syllables very much like how Kim Kardashian talks like oh my god like that type of speak I definitely know people who did talk like that who totally bought into you know I'm like Mandy Moore I'm Britney Spears or because it was the late 90s you had these icons to look up to and definitely in the valley there were those girls who were probably richer than me, <laughs> richer than most people up at the so you know highest rung of the social hierarchy that only hung out together and probably did talk like that. And the Ashleys totally remind me of another show, Daria, which had uh, the Fashion Club, also four girls who talk like they were from the Valley, led yep, by yep. um Daria's sister and they were exactly like that I was like oh the Ashley's just grew up to be the fashion club cool 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 yes yes (laughs) yes Uh, a click of four wearing skirts right yeah Um, very very clueless yes very clueless very clueless um and then like uh there was in the even in the first episode we meet the guru kid and I can distinctly remember in my mind there was one kid that just seemed so like Zen Yeah, like smarter. It was like on another plane, and we would regularly <laughs> seek out advice from this kid. It was a really good mediator. So yeah. Um, but I I I have that. I have that in my memory yeah. as like someone that um to me I like immediately when I heard Guru Kid because they they're like we have a problem. We need we need to talk to Guru Kid. And it's like yeah, you do. Yeah, <laughs> and it was so funny how he literally gives the same advice to somebody who wants to make his grade higher. <laughs> And it was the same analogy, but like, so it wasn't really the guru kid that was giving advice. It was just the interpretation of the person asking for advice that ends up giving their own advice to themselves. Oh, very similar to how it happens in therapy, but that's a different podcast. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) We will definitely have to touch upon that one day. (laughs) But yeah, I think those different characters, that's what I loved a lot about this show, because like you said, you could identify other people, but also you could identify yourself as one of the main characters because they were so diverse and they were so different, but yet they all hung out together and all worked together as a team. So Ariel, who did you identify with in oh. our recess crew? Okay, so in the recess crew, there are one, two, three, four, yes. five, six. There's six six people in the crew, uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the gang or uh, posse, I don't know, whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah. Uh, for the girls, there was Ashley and Gretchen. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashley was more of a tomboy. Gretchen is uh, would be considered the smart kid, I guess. Um, if oh, we're, we're going, you mean Spinelli? Labels. 
Um, yeah, yeah, Ashley Spinelli. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, spoiler alert. Her yeah, name spoiler is alert. Ashley, uh, but they call her Spinelli. My bad. So one Spinelli. of the best, like, one of the best reveals, I think, of a show. <laughs> I love that. But anyway. Yes. Okay, so we have Spinelli, Tomboy, uh, mm-hmm. Gretchen, a uh, smart uh, kid. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have Mikey, who's sort of like a big teddy bear. Mm-hmm. Um, we have TJ, who's the leader. Um, and uh, I would say, like, plan guy i don't yeah. i don't yeah. yeah um we have gus who's coming along for the ride seems mm-hmm. to just kind of absorbing everything um yep. and it is and was the new kid and then uh we have vince who is the the sports uh guy or, or jock right yeah yeah so um i think for me i really gravitated towards gus yeah <laughs> i knew you'd say that yeah and the reason why is we get introduced to Gus because he's a new kid and he is a military brat. Mm-hmm. And he says, like, I I think he says I've been to, like, uh, 12 schools in six years or something like that. <laughs> and I, I remember the distinct difference of going to school off base and on base. Mm-hmm. And on base, it was a way more healing experience because we all knew we were the new kids and we all knew that we were going to move. Like mm-hmm. it was it, it was actually easier for me to make friends with kids on base because we we were always trying to develop ourselves and create a unit. And we knew that the unit was going to get disrupted mm-hmm. um, when I went to school off base. It was really those clicks. It was really people who had known each other since diapers. Mm-hmm. And I was a new kid. I was othered. I um, in the episode, they talk about a rule where you can't talk to the new kid for 48 hours and new kid doesn't get a name. And mm-hmm. I remember a lot of people having trouble remembering my name. And I was like, but it's a Disney princess. Like, <laughs> how do you not know who Ariel is? And mm-hmm. uh, that like being not having anybody to sit with, not having anybody to talk mm-hmm. to and remembering the few times where someone reached out and someone um, talked to me and someone tried to be a friend. I I know it took, I would say months before I actually had a friend group in some of my off um, base schools Mm -hmm. versus um, going to school on base. And I I knew that experience of like um, uh, consistently being uprooted uh, mm-hmm. The other thing was the the trope of his military dad um, <laughs> introducing him as like a cadet and like if you go to their house he's got barbed wire and a Humvee <laughs> like that that stereotype that is exactly what the off base uh, off uh, base kids thought my life was like and thought my dad was like and if any yeah. of you and I know Steph has met my dad he is far from that trope. no he's more of like a guru kid <laughs> he's definitely more like the guru kid. Um, so yeah, I, I really resonated with, with Gus and, and how much he just like, he cried. So that to me was also important because we see a male, um, uh, figure crying and being Mm -hmm. open about his emotions. And he cried saying, no one's been so nice to me. Thank you guys. And I, I remember that. So yeah, I'm wondering who you identify with. Oh my gosh. Well, I love that Gus gave you a little bit of visibility in a, a cartoon. And I think that's so important, especially for, you know, all of our kiddos who are military brats. They are so special and, you know, they go through just as much as their, you know, their parents do. And you guys do deserve that visibility because it's a real lived experience that a lot of people have. Um, but for me, so 
I know straight out, I probably identified with Spinelli, Ashley Spinelli, yes. just because that's how I looked like when I was in elementary school. I was very no, no, standoffish. No, 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 not just elementary school. I've seen <laughs> oh, this exact all outfit on Steph uh, with the combat Regularly. boots and the leather jacket and a dress and some sort of beanie and or hat uh, or coverage. Literally throughout my life. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, I, I lived Spinelli's outfit. I, I should have royalties for that. <laughs> However... I actually identified a lot with each and every character because each and every character was a bit of me. So if we're going down the list, yes. I was Spinelli because I dressed like her and sometimes I just didn't care about stuff. And I was just like, you know, what, whatever, I'm grumpy. I was um, Gretchen a little bit because I really loved science and I really loved figuring out things. And that was okay, one of my okay. favorite subjects in school. I was a little bit of Mikey because I was like the mediator. And also I was not the skinniest girl I was very like I guess athletic you could say um in my body type yeah. so I didn't really yeah. I didn't wear like tank tops or anything mm -hmm. like that during school just because I was so self-conscious about my body not being super super skinny as a girl and leading into that I was a little bit of Vince because I really love sports I did dress like a tomboy you sometimes you do love sports I love sports so much and then I think I identified the least with TJ just because he was just a troublemaker. Yeah. Honestly, without scheming. Vince, scheming, without Vince, he was literally Zach Morris, just yes. causing, just wrecking havoc on everything. And, yes. you know, Vince was like his, his, uh, his foil, I guess you could say. And yeah. moral know, compass, like a Jiminy. Moral Kirkman. compass, for sure, mm -hmm. for sure. Now, you could say that Vince is a essentially a stereotype and that he is a black athlete um, and that was a common stereotype especially in the 90s uh, but then you miss uh, really some important parts uh, regarding his depth of character and that he was kind and calm and that he had a lot of integrity and he was the reason that the group was grounded so it makes sense that he was tj's jiminy cricket his um conscience uh i also want to just mark that one of my favorite episodes is where he um is essentially teaching spinelli what to do in regards to an upcoming beauty pageant um he spent all night uh watching some pageant videos and uh he uh learned how to sashay how to watch and step um, and I would say that was very uh, forward representation of a black male uh, walking in heels and modeling um, with uh, no um, embarrassment uh, uh, in regards to what he was doing he just knew that this is a competition and this is how you win the competition I'm gonna um, dive in it uh, head first and fully engage in uh, essentially uh, what could have been made fun of for walking around these heels so shout out to Vince um, Gus I identified with not because I was a military brat I didn't you know I was not introduced into being a military family till I was older but I moved schools a lot in LA mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. in elementary school I think I attended five different elementary schools so I was also the new kid but in a different way like yeah. I was a local but also I wasn't a local because I never had um, a peer group that I knew from diapers like you Ariel yeah. and so mm -hmm. I always had to find my way into these specific these actual circles very much like recess where it was just an amalgam of different people who yeah. were outcast in their own I guess social ways coming together and just hanging out together I remember my group of friends in late elementary just being you know, kids who back then, guys, anime was not cool. You were super uh, yeah. lame for loving anime. And 
and cartoons. So I hung out with like five other kids and none of us looked like we would ever be friends, but we all liked anime. So we ended up hanging out together. Um, but I think that was also the beauty of recess is that you, just because you're a jock, you didn't have to hang out with just jocks. Just because no. you were a nerd, you didn't have to hang out with just nerds. If you were, you know, Mikey, you didn't just have to hang out with other kids who look like you. You could be friends with different people and it was okay. And you did great things together. And I think that you're you're also noting the difference between us following the narrative of uh, like one character and and sort of like our Disney media and mm -hmm. a core group because yeah. you're saying like I identify with components of each and that's okay and yeah. sometimes it's one of the things that turns us off in regards to media is I just don't like this main character I could not yeah. be them I can't I can't <laughs> find I can't find relatability and in yeah. this case you had options um, and you could switch in episodes like oh, I yeah. totally agree with Gretchen in this moment or I totally agree with Mikey in this moment um, and that you that narrative change um, allows you to again see more of a holistic kid because mm -hmm. there was definitely in this group um, uh, moments of infighting because of disagreements mm -hmm. And I think the really, again, beautiful thing about this group is that they were so diverse. What we did see was literally cliques on, in the recess yeah. playground, people only playing with people that were of um, similar interests. And mm -hmm. this group accepted each other just because they were fun to hang out with. And, yeah. and that was it. They didn't have to have completely similar or same interests. Um, and, and they never seemed to poke or make fun of each other for having differences. Yeah. Um, it was just, we were automatically introduced to Gretchen being smart, and she was saying things that were smart, and no one questioned it, no one made fun of it, and no one tried to have her, like, um, explain it in a different way. Um, mm -hmm. If they said they were confused, she would, uh, and it was never seen as her talking down on them, and it was never seen as them um, telling her she was a dweeb, right? Yeah. Like, it was just like, oh, she just likes to be smart, and we like her, so let's, like, learn a thing or two. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, like seeing them as a group it was it was so nice that i don't know if you remember this were they all in the same class were they all in miss grotke's class they were, they were shout right? out to the best teacher the uh, best more, teacher more woke uh, than i even i am today <laughs> more in the 90s too and i remember i think i had tried on a pair of like harry potter style glasses and i had just cut my hair really short and my husband was like you look like miss grotke <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. But then I was like, that's not like, that's a compliment. She was the coolest teacher. I wish, I wish that I had, you know, like a woke teacher like that when I was growing up. Now I know teachers that are woke just like her, but I can't be their students anymore. They're my counterparts. Um, but she was so compassionate and so loving. And I think with the chaos of the playground, it was such a nice way for them to come back and be grounded whenever they mm -hmm. did come back in the class, even though they still wanted to be outside. Um, they appreciated her and she always had their back. Yeah, and I, I remember having um, really good teachers, formative teachers, and I remember teachers that um, did not like their job, did not mm. want to be there, did not want to engage uh, with mm -hmm. kids like uh, like our, our yard ladies. Um, okay. And I feel like Miss um, Grotke was, uh, she was the maybe like the epitome of like what a teacher should be or how, how I imagine or hope that they would be um, mm -hmm. if I had kids that were being taught. Yeah. Let's I you know, it's funny because when as we're talking about adults in the school setting that, you know, had their had their roles to play in our lives, like, you know, Miss Grotke was the ideal teacher. Um, 
what is the name of the yard lady? I literally just saw it like a couple minutes ago. What is her name, Ariel? Oh, uh, her name is Miss Finster. Miss Fist, yeah, Miss Finster. Miss Finster was the grumpiest oldest lady that you could ever have on a yard. But for some reason, she was like built like a linebacker, and she could chase kid down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> their uh, lunch lady was just as miserable. Their principal was just as you know. They always paint the principal as so oblivious to what's going on, and just always concerned about like the administration of everything and not the actual happiness of the kid. Um, is that I, a trope or is that real? From not in my school. As an educator. <laughs> not in my school. However, more traditional schools that I have worked mm. at, there is definitely a gap between up and coming teachers who are my age, who have just okay. graduated, and also the tenured teachers who have been there, went through you know multiple generations of students. So bright eyed and bushy tailed or seen yeah. some shit seen some shit and you have the ones in the middle who have seen some shit but are still you know trying to bridge the gap between like the non-technological and technological I think that's the best way that I can describe it and sometimes the principles just don't follow that thankfully for me I have a boss that is way in tune with like a lot of things that are going on and she's great but I remember student teaching on like other sites and the principal just kind of being aloof or just Mm -hmm, being that mm -hmm. figurehead and not much more else and I want to know if you think this but I always thought that Randall miss um uh uh, Miss Yard, yeah, her her little pet, Miss <laughs> Finster's yeah. pet. Yeah, I always knew a Randall, and I was like, this kid always yeah. screwing up everything. And the, he she, she treats them like a little dog because she gives them a treat. Yeah, <laughs> like she a puppy. Threw a cookie at him. Yeah, she threw a cookie at him, and I was like, oh, it was always this like weaselly looking kid that just like never really fit in anywhere, but I guess found safety in being next to an adult. <laughs> Yeah, I I feel like um, the one of the things that uh, this show does well is it gives you a, a way to simplify social challenges in regards to having characters identified in your mind mm-hmm. on how to tackle these social challenges. So it's like mm-hmm. you think of Randall, he thrives at being used as a pawn to carry another person's favor in yeah. order to maintain really social hierarchy, uh, yeah. uh, relevance, importance. He's like a literally aligning himself with power. Um, and if you look at that, you could look at it in a strength-based way in yeah. that um, it, it probably a kid who survives is a kid who can align himself with power. Mm-hmm. And if it uh, means not having friends that are your age and just align yourself with adults, then so be it. Mm-hmm. I, I think like even in some of the other sort of uh, character tropes, you can see like, are you struggling with someone who kind of, in your mind, seems to match that of a sixth grader. They just want to maintain dominance. They just want to maintain control. And that's Mm -hmm. their motivation. That's the reason you're having a social impasse with them is because somehow in this moment, they feel like you've removed control and you um, have uh, asserted your own dominance and they don't know how uh, to respond except to push back and be aggressive yeah um and then even mentioning like the swinger girl are you working with someone who has such daring desire and drive that they are doing so much despite potential danger that they don't even see the risk or the potential harm that they've put themselves in i feel like in watching the show it gives you these snippets of the simple uh, characterization that you can then um, use to tackle complex social uh, engagements 
Yeah, definitely. And also the performativeness of Swinger Girl. Maybe yes. she was just doing it to be popular because you know what? She maybe she just ended. I want to know the backstory of Swinger Girl now because you know, is, was she doing it for attention? Like, did she not have anybody to go to? And that's why she was like, you know what? Swinging's going to be my thing. Just mm -hmm. like Upside Down Girl, that's going to mm -hmm. be my thing. The mm -hmm. two diggers, I'm pretty sure they're brothers, right? So they're twins i believe and i think so, they are um someone are. correct they, uh, us if we're wrong we haven't uh -huh. actually like fully rewatched all of the episodes um yeah and i was very young when i seated them so my memory <laughs> is but wasted <laughs> yes same here uh but yeah they i mean they look exactly the same they are both digging and they argue like they're siblings yes. so i'm assuming that they are siblings and you know maybe they just didn't have anywhere else that they could fit into so they were just like you know what? we're just gonna dig our way out of this and for some reason no staff member decided hey there's a hole in the ground <laughs> next to a safe. fence <laughs> this isn't safe <laughs> why do these kids have shovels in the why first they, place who gave them tools also a ha i mean i'm glad they're being safe they have a hard hat but i mean yeah, why are they yeah, in this true. hole this is this is not okay guys <laughs> Another Although one I, of my... again, if it's elementary, right? So I do remember in elementary school, kids just randomly digging holes. Like that was a that was like with objects, with sticks, right? Yes, just with, like yes, with objects, <laughs> very primitive ways of doing it. Not like an actual like construction site with a sign that they made that says China or bust. <laughs> that was well thought out. Well thought out, <laughs> and without any notice for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's so funny that you you mention um, just the ways that we perceive things now as opposed to the way we perceived them before as kids. And I think yes. that's the fun part about looking back on shows like this, like Recess, especially one that kind of stands the test of time. And I think that there's a there's many things that we already said that, you know, has it stand the test of time because this is really how kids navigate their way socially in the world, right? Mm -hmm. But there are some things that don't test, you know, stand the test of time. Right. I think yes. watching it, I was just like, mm, I don't know about this. <laughs> so for me, that was the kindergartners. Was that yeah. for you? So the kindergartners are they're described as being sort of wild and unpredictable, but they're shown using really what's called like an indigenous savage trope. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, the this trope is in media it's used to show how indigenous people are beneath western white society mm -hmm. um, by showing uh, us that we need to fear them that we need to uh, fight them and essentially convert them to our ways um, and uh, we see this by the kindergartners um, uh, having tribes having painted faces having feathers rituals, <laughs> feathers face having paint ritual, face paint <laughs> having rituals that involve tying kids up and yeah. like saying they're gonna eat kids. Mm -hmm. Like all of this is to portray that they're primitive. And even Gretchen says in the first episode that these primitive grades, so really saying like yeah. these lower grades. Yeah. And when, when they go to visit, they say like, we are from big kid land and yeah. here is shiny tinfoil we give you if you help us. Like really just feeding into that trope now looking i know i know seeing it as a kid when i was watching i didn't get that i was not woke i was not a woke ass kid <laughs> um i i was dead asleep i did i saw that as like yeah kindergartners like they don't have they're lawless like they they just want to see the world burn um but <laughs> i didn't see that they were portraying it using this trope now that i do see that um i know that that could 
easily be removed and it would still be a good show and i do know there's an episode where tj like goes and visits the kindergartners Mm -hmm. and has a whole day there and enjoys nap time and so like essentially realizes that they are not lawless and they do have their own social norms and that they're different Mm -hmm. um so maybe that was a little undoing of that um yeah but uh, I would say that anybody who wants to pick this show up now that hasn't seen it from childhood, that doesn't have like maybe some nostalgia connection, those are going to be those um, like points of disruption for you. Yeah, I agree. Um, definitely the kindergartners and working with kindergartners. Yes, there is an a, amount of lawlessness to them. They do like to bite each other. They do spit on each other. They are just learning and because they're babies still like a lot of especially these ones coming from preschool they're coming from like daycare and they don't Mm -hmm, have mm -hmm. they don't know how to stand in a line they don't know how to hold their crayons correctly they don't know how to sit in a chair so yes there is a element of them not knowing but the way that they portrayed them as savages not knowing was, you know, kind of probably the wrong direction. And like we said, it's the 90s. It was a different time. We had different ways of um, perceiving other other norms, I guess you could say, in other lands. However, I, I think now if you were to look at it, you would really have to look at it from a developmental standpoint, saying, you yes. know, like, take away the, um, you know, feathers, we use feathers in arts and crafts, we use, you know, paint in arts and crafts, like, kids are gonna be messy, they literally look like that all the time. If you're looking at it from an arts and crafts standpoint, and not yeah. from yeah. an indigenous people standpoint, um, yes. you could always make that argument that you know when tj did go over there and was just like oh my gosh i love kindergarten like they got to take a nap they get to do fun stuff like every day seems like recess but also you know what someone might bite you and like that's okay it's normal it's normal Um, it's super normal um i i think when i first was a teacher in kindergarten (laughs) i literally (laughs) thought of recess and i'm like it's scary because you don't know what these kids are going to do. It is like being in a foreign country because mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. can't really speak their language. You, They yeah. don't understand you. You have to learn the lingo of let's all come together. Let's clap, clap, clap to pay attention. Or if you can hear me, match me. If you can hear me, match me. Let's shh. And like you get this whole nother vocabulary and whole nother like way of talking to them. And sometimes yeah, when you yeah. don't talk in, to an adult after <laughs> being in kindergarten for so long, you forget like, <laughs> to form sentences. It is like being a foreigner in their land until you get used to being around them. So there are parallels to that. But um, I think as we are moving away from looking at Indigenous people as people who are just never going to get it, um, we can definitely form this in a way where it's more true to child development and not so much um, looking at foreigners in that way. Another thing that really, um, that I noticed watching it again was the fact that a lot of the grades didn't really interact with each other. The grade levels always stayed with their grade level. Um, For me, like... If you're in elementary school now, you have opportunities to talk to fifth graders. You have opportunities to talk to fourth graders as a first grader. And we actually encourage those connections because then you could see where you want to be in the next couple years. Like, do you want to, you know, maybe you can identify with this person, like, or say, you know what, being a sixth grader is not so scary. Um, I think like, that the um, div- do you guys assign like peer mentors or? Yeah, or- very okay. much. And we also mm-hmm. have a lot of fifth graders sometimes go into the younger classes, be a mystery reader. And 
and say, oh, we're going to actually hear from a fifth grader. And they get to ask them questions like, how does it feel to be in fifth grade? Like, how does it feel to be going into middle school soon? Like, are you scared? And you really get to establish those connections. And then now the younger kids have a wider um, a wider vision of who they can be in the next couple of years as opposed to them just sticking with their grade. And because yeah. by the end of the and- year, you want them to grow. And removing some of that fear, right? Yeah. Because there was mm-hmm. definitely a lot of fear of the the older grades um, because there was uh, uncertainty. It seemed yeah. like they, they – because they were bigger, they were stronger, yeah. they can bully you, they can yeah. push you around. Um, and that, that sounds more uh, developmentally appropriate in that you are encouraging children to uh, engage with diverse people, including yep. age as diversity. Age. Absolutely. And I think that's the beauty of having – different grades intermingle with each other is that you get those different levels of understanding that a teacher just can't give them. They see each other as peers and not necessarily as enemies. You don't pit them against each other because I feel like that's how it felt like being in elementary school. Um, the, the, The scariness, the fear is just it's gone, essentially. And you don't get those opportunities until you go to like a summer camp or if you go to any extracurricular activities. So why not use the recess yard as one of those places? Absolutely. And I would say something else that was, again, just problematic, um, still very heteronormative. Uh, again, it was the 90s. Um, there was a episode that involves um, kissing. First of all, uh, uh, TJ and Spinelli were like forced to kiss each other out of peer <laughs> pressure. Um, and it was guised as science. Uh, and I I think that sort of coercion and um, uh, now well, I will say that that on the playground, I remember levels of affection being performative, like yeah. everybody oh, yeah. gawking and watching. Um, so but in awkward. <laughs> this case, it was we were accepting that they were doing this because mm-hmm. um, because their peers are pressuring them. Uh, I think yep. that that uh, already is uh, problematic. Mm-hmm. And then the reason that it all started was because another youth was telling them that their future was girls were going to like kissing boys and boys were going to like kissing girls. So mm-hmm. th- that just just that narrative, um, very heteronormative and mm-hmm. then really wanting to explore if that was true and what would happen. And no, we'll never kiss you. Um, uh, I think that, again, that's another probably narrative that that doesn't need to stay, could be thrown out. Uh, I've I think talking about um, essentially kissing is, is a form of sex, um, mm-hmm. a sexual attraction, finding a way to uh, show these elementary kids really uncovering that in a, a different, more safer way, I think mm-hmm. would have been better social commentary. Absolutely. And I think that knowledge just wasn't there yet in that day. Um, so I would love to see how people uh, decide to portray that now. If, you know, they decide to do a remake or if they decide to do a show similar to Recess, I think it would or, really be impactful to kids nowadays. Or even what these new episodes are like, right? Yeah. Um, because I think they were made in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, Maybe it'll be interesting for us to revisit this topic again after, you know, a recess part two or yeah. instead of just recess, it's lunch recess now, which is always <laughs> recess part two. <laughs> because, you know, like, you know, we mentioned like we I was only watching the original recess series. And like mm-hmm, when you mm-hmm. looked it up on Disney Plus, I did the same thing where I typed in recess and I'm like, what are all these other things? What is this? What, <laughs> what is, is this? this? Right. <laughs> 
feeling like an old lady here. What 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 is all this new stuff? These new fangled contraptions. Um, but I'm really interested to see if they did evolve from these tropes and stereotypes because the knowledge of students and parents now are evolving so fast and with recent events, we're restructuring the way we look at play, the way we look at child development, the way we look at social interactions, not just with how we learned it in the past, but also how we're teaching our kids how to do it. So yeah, maybe we'll come back to this. I'm I'm curious, uh, what do you think recess is for adults? Oh, recess for adults? Yeah, what do you think that looks like? Happy hour? <laughs> <laughs> You know, recess to me as adults is like when you and I go, let's get coffee. That's recess. Yes. Yes. That's like us just chilling, getting, you know, some snacks, a nice cup of coffee, sitting down, forgetting all of the things that we have to do for the day, just reserving that hour. And it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be 15 minutes, y'all. I know recess back then was just like 20 minutes of get out and get your body moving. But it can also be going to the gym. It could also be, you know, having a picnic. It could also be engaging yourself in maybe some sports or with a league or something. I think that's also considered recess. Um, what do you think recess is? Well, I, I know if you're thinking um, uh, larger organizations and companies, yeah. they've sort of embraced play, right? Mm -hmm. They um, they have playing fields. Uh, I, I know lots of people are on like a softball team uh, mm -hmm. at their job um, and and take breaks for uh, to practice or to prep for the next game. Um, I, I think of when you're talking about um, company and employee development, uh, we have like here in the state of California mandated breaks, right? That you're, yep. you're supposed to take every like your two 15 minute breaks uh, in your lunch. Um, it, and I feel like the the part that's missing is the the equipment and quality engagement. Like mm -hmm. here's a break for you. But I, I know that a lot of um, people will work they're not supposed to into their lunch hour. They will check their email. They will um, respond to um, uh, me included. That's yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I feel like recess is that respite that we need, um, but yeah. we have to have some sort of equipment. I know um, I'll, uh, definitely games, um, mm -hmm. mobile mobile phone games have become a way to create that that respite yeah. and and that release. Um, I just I think that. Um, for that intentional break, just like when when you're at school, like you have that intentional break, there needs to be intention to to release to get out of your office if you can yeah. um, to take a walk, uh, <laughs> take a walk, walk your dog if you're working from home. Mm -hmm. You know anything that you can do to remind yourself of your whole body, to remind yourself of um, the environment around you. Yeah. Um, I think that is what recess should be for adults. Um, I, I definitely think that many of us have forgotten. That we need recess, that we need to play. <laughs> or even translate recess into a vacation. I know uh, sometimes we need a break long from recess. life. A big, long recess. Snow day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whether it just be like a drive up the coast if you live in California or a drive, you know, to the park or a national park if you're near one or like just taking that day you actually use your weekend not to be productive but to like we mentioned in self-care just do you um is really important because as you see i mean in other countries they have mandated vacations that you get paid for and yes. it's a requirement i know the u.s america is so do better sucky at that the worst yeah. um it is the worst so I mean, as Americans, sometimes you have to equate 
having your recess as a vacation mm-hmm. and to intentionally mm-hmm. be like, you know what, I'm going to unplug, I'm going to unwind, don't talk to me, put on that out of office message on your email and yes, really... Yes. It, it's just it's a little sad to say that we have to work so hard to create these little recesses for ourselves. But the frequently that you do that, I feel like the more productive you'll be um, yes, for myself. Yes. I, I totally look forward to planning all my vacations, whether it be like a drive away. I'm going to be driving pretty far in tomorrow (laughs) and I'm going (laughs) out to yeah I'm going on my reassess to a national park just to get some air so um definitely those instances of play of doing things that give you pleasure are super important to maintain that quality of life and to maintain sanity I'm I'm curious for you what have you noticed with students when they don't get recess oh it's the worst it's actually literally so hard to a get a kid focused if they don't have recess that's why we never ever use no recess as a punishment at my school just because if you take away that play you are actually adding work to yourself you only don't get a break but the kid doesn't get a break and if you're gonna go through that eight day eight hour day together you are kind of setting yourself up for failure so Um, Definitely changing the way that you give consequences, logical consequences is different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I've seen back then in other schools that I've worked at play being taken away, having them take a break from socializing, it isolates themselves so much more. And now they think you're the enemy. And now they think that you are taking away um, their socialization, their play, things that they love. And that really breaks that um, connection that you're trying to make with your student, whether you're the TA, whether you're the teacher, whether you're the administrator, um, you are not connecting with them in that way. You are yeah. severing the connection, essentially. So it's yeah. something that I feel yeah. that all schools should be moving away from um, just because it's it doesn't do anyone good. <laughs> yeah, I think when I see it in adults, right, um, uh, I get... Uh, as a therapist, I'm seeing general mental unwellness. I'm seeing actual mm-hmm. clinically diagnosed depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also seeing chronic stress. And people forget that the things that happen when we have chronic stress is we get irritable bowel syndrome, we get mm-hmm. GERD, we get um, uh, acid reflux because it shuts down your digestive system. You're not mm-hmm. if you're activating fight, flight, or freeze, you're not supposed to be digesting your food. You're supposed to be running away from like a tiger. Um, yeah. In this case, you are feeling that sitting in your office well, on your break when you're checking your email. Um, many of the things that I see are, um, you know, thoughts of self-harm, um, inability to engage with people, uh, yeah. not wanting to to socialize, forgetting um, lots of memory loss, short-term memory loss and inability to recall. Um, these are some of the, the things that um, we start to notice uh, when we don't give ourselves a break. Um, yeah. And and it, it it starts off small. We think we can sort of shake off uh, uh, these these sort of frustrations. Um, and I think uh, once we we start to ignore them that much, we start to forget to you know harken back to our, our previous episode, our self care. Um, yeah. And recess is definitely part of lifestyle. It's part of self care. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Simone Biles for yes. her ability to recognize that she needed uh, some self care. That she needed to to ground herself literally. 
Definitely. Um, and for her, because now that her form of play became her profession, yeah, I'm pretty sure as a young girl and hearing so many stories and learning about her story, gymnastics is a way for kids to let loose and, you know, just be in tune with your body. And because she was so good Feel at it, it your became whole body. your mm-hmm. whole body and like push it to its limitations and like go above and beyond what you think is is possible for, you know, your sport. Now that this is her livelihood and this is, you know, what the world sees her as, her taking a break from it is actually normal. Competitions are so stressful. So stressful. I remember being in swim meets just like wanting to throw up in the pool so that I could be disqualified. And, you know, you never, ever really get used to that. And like, Mm -hmm. I, I think as an athlete, her taking that time to ground herself and and still win two medals is still so impressive she is still the goat she is still amazing she's setting herself as like such a good role model for so many kids in sports kids of color in sports women in sports there is so much burden on her and you know what like I say to all these naysayers you try doing all the things that they do (laughs) and do it in front of the whole world on a time difference being the goat and upholding that at her age guys she's a legend she's amazing and i'm glad that you know she did that for herself the ultimate form of self-care the ultimate recess for her brain yes yes uh and um Harking back to recess and another uh, uh, woman of color who is the goat, Miss Grotke. Yes. I want to read some of these quotes uh, to end us with. <laughs> nice. Um, I look forward to reading your thoughts on how the male authors of the Constitution helped shape our gender-based society. Uh, okay, the founding fathers didn't think twice about excluding an entire gender from their rants. I mean, where were the founding mothers? Where were the founding mothers? I want to know this. She's asking uh, the questions. She really is. She's asking the questions. So the noble Native Americans shared their bountiful food supplies with the underserving European savages. <laughs> and then our hero, Beowulf, ripped Grindel's arm off and beat him with it. A metaphor for man's cruelty towards endangered species. Thank you, thank you. Woke, woke, woke. Woke, woke, woke. <laughs> Love Miss Grotke. She is... The goat of not only Third Street Elementary, but to all of us, you know, living as students and now adults, I strive to be like her as a teacher and just, you know, her calm presence. I love it. Yay. Yay. I really like, I hope that you all liked our talk on recess. Um, It is, if you are our age and maybe you are, you know how much this uh, little show really shaped our outlook on being at school, interacting with our peers, um, maybe even outside of school too. Let us know who your favorite recess character is, either on our Twitter at happiestpodgt or on our Instagram when we post um, about this uh, to remind you that the episode is out very, very soon. Um, Let us know who your favorite um, character, whether it be part of the crew or whether it be part of the staff or maybe even just the one-off child that was you know in the background that you look like because <laughs> all those kids on the recess field made recess whether or not they were main character they were all important and um i love this talk i really enjoyed it me too me too thank you everybody for joining us and we will see you next time bye everybody